If you have worked in a design area, you have probably heard about the importance of empathy in design. It's been a bit of a buzzword, actually. Because as designers, innovators, engineers, you have the power to shape the future, to change people's lives. That's quite the responsibility. Because who are these people whose life you're going to change and what do they want? What is good for them? And an often proposed answer to this is that you need empathy. You need to empathize with the future user of your products, understand their perspectives. But what does that exactly mean, being empathetic? There must be a lot of research on that in psychology, neuroscience, philosophy, ethics, and there is a lot of research and also a lot of disagreements exactly about what that thing called empathy is. In my research on empathy research, I have found no less than 31 different definitions of empathy. And I don't mean slightly different wordings, but actually 31 different phenomena that the term is used to refer to. And interestingly, quite often it refers to something that is not that desirable. People often use it in research to refer to our tendency that we have to feel with some others, but not that much with some other people. People we don't know, people on the other side of the world, people of a different age, different race, different gender. And that tendency is not a desirable trait for a designer or human in general. I wouldn't consider being that a compliment. But in society, we do use it as a compliment. We see it as something good. And we see being not empathetic as something bad. This is specifically tangible in the societal perception of autism. Autistic people are often believed to be less or even not empathetic. And with that, that is seen as a bad thing. A lot, there's actually a lot of research that supports this claim. But that's also a good demonstration of the problems in defining what empathy is. In empirical research, empathy is quite often reduced to certain specific expressions or behaviors based on certain narrow social norms of how, what empathy would look like and does not leave a lot of room for diversity in how we experience and express our emotions. And using these same standards and methods to try to measure autistic empathetic experiences kind of creates a circular reasoning when finding that autistic people score lower on these kind of tests. And in the knowledge that we generate on empathy through research, autistic empathetic experiences and the knowledge that comes from that are often excluded. This is a matter of what is called epistemic injustice, an injustice related to knowledge. And not only does this add to the stigmatization of autism, if we understand empathy in this narrow, exclusive way, it also does not refer anymore to that thing that we value in society, that thing that we use as a complement. That is why I have been working towards a different approach to understanding empathy. I was looking for a conceptualization that actually has the value that we attach to it in society. We already use it as a complement, so we need to make sure that who we consider to be empathetic is actually based on merit. It actually has moral significance. 
two common but opposing intuitions about what empathy is is that it is on one hand about identifying with the other, finding similarities, but on the other hand that it is about being able to take a different perspective, acknowledging difference and recognize what you don't experience yourself. And both these intuitions are kind of right and kind of wrong. Because taken to an extreme, these both phenomena are not very good. If you, we try to completely identify with someone else, well, we are not that other person. So then we rely on projection, we overlook our differences. But on the other extreme end, that's on that side, <laughs> um, if we overlook our similarities, well, we at the very least share being human and probably much more. And we can probably know all of examples of when we forget about that. In reality, our experiences partly overlap and partly differ. And finding that balance between identifying with the other, finding these similarities in what you experience, but also acknowledging the difference, that is what I call empathy. And these two extremes that I was talking about, I call proximism and distantism. And empathy is in the balance between these two tendencies. This follows a tradition of virtue ethics, where a virtue, a good trait, is seen as the balance between two vices, bad traits. Like, for example, courage is the balance between um, cowardice on the one hand and recklessness on the other. And courage balances between. So does empathy balance between proximism and distantism. Understanding empathy this way makes sure that it is actually something to strive for, actually something beneficial, because it allows us to appropriately deal with the experiences of others and what we have in common, but also what we don't understand. And we can also apply other aspects of virtue theory. This is a very long tradition onto that, what we know of that. For example, that we can develop it over time, try to recognize our tendencies to these extremes and find the balance. And even though perfection in this balance is not possible, we can try to develop more empathy over time. And this brings me back to where I started. Empathy as an essential virtue for designers, engineers and innovators. This starts with recognizing a future user of what you are making as another subject whose experiences partly overlap and partly differ from yours. And there's not just one user, there are many of them. So an important part of empathy is humility. You cannot ever know exactly the other's experience and everything. So it's important that we keep asking questions and keep staying open and listening to what other people are expressing, learning from them. And so many methods are being developed about doing interviews, using uh, focus groups, all these participatory design methods, uh, co-design methods. Um, but using these methods alone does not magically make uh, a process empathetic, but they can provide the opportunity to empathize with others in trying to find that balance between similarities and the differences. Find that balance between identifying with other humans, but also recognizing what you don't experience yourself. And we can practice this skill over time. What adds a specifically interesting other dimension is if the thing that is being designed is a communication technology. Because users are going to use this kind of technology to connect with other users 
And the technology can make this interaction more empathetic or not. So as a designer, you need to empathize with the user who is using the technology to empathize with another user, like meta-empathy. And for this, it is important to understand how a technology can impact empathy in the first place, for good and better. I've developed a framework differentiating seven different ways in which communication technologies can mediate empathy and work along or against it. Like I introduced earlier, empathy starts with the intention to approach another human or non-human as an experiencing subject whose experiences partly overlap and partly differ from yours. And communication technologies can make this status of the other as an experiencing subject more obvious or less. Consider, for example, how easily people leave hate comments online, forgetting for a moment that behind that abstract online profile, there's a human being who you might have a lot in common with. For example, feeling hurt by hate comments. But even with the best intention to empathize, empathy is difficult. And you need a space to develop it, make mistakes, recognize them, learn from them and grow. And a safe and constructive learning environment to do so is essential. I can give various examples of who, how specifically social media does not contribute to this, but instead I'm going to give a positive example. On the subreddit, am I the asshole? Sorry for my language. Um, people can post stories, uh, experiences, and ask whether they were in the wrong or not. And other people can, it's all anonymously, can give their perspectives on whether they were in the wrong or not. And most of the time, this is quite a constructive environment where people can learn from each other's mistakes and grow, see different perspectives. And a space like this would not be possible in this way without the technology. Technologies can also change what empathy looks like in practice, which practical skills you need to bring that intention to empathize into practice. For example, when communicating with each other face-to-face, -face, skills like reading facial expressions or understanding intonation is very important. But when you're chatting with each other online, suddenly other skills like text interpretation or adequately using emoticons are far more important. And with these changes in the skills that you need, social norms around what empathy looks like in practice can change. Considering what I said earlier about how currently narrow social norms on what empathy looks like exclude autistic empathic experiences, these changes in norms, for example around the importance of reading facial expressions, can relieve inequalities, but also introduce new ones in other areas, for example how proficiently you are with things like emoticons. Keeping in mind existing social inequalities, um, we can these challenges and opportunities that technologies bring about to empathize can be evenly or unevenly distributed. And by actively uplifting and empowering currently marginalized communities with potentials to empathize but also be empathized with, technologies can actually build towards a more fair and empathetic society. And the last pillar of what is needed to be kept in mind when designing communication technology for empathy is our tendency to not be empathetic and how that can be amplified in a socio-technical network. 
like I said before, we tend to feel more with people who are more like us, people who we identify with. And within that community, we tend to rely a lot on projection. And people outside that community, we tend to overestimate difference. And the balance is the goal, but we are just human. And even with our best intentions to truly empathize, technologies can make this harder or less and work along or against us. We can use the knowledge that we have on how humans tend to not be empathetic to create technologies that actually supports us, support us to be truly empathetic and help us along with it. So these are seven different ways in which communication technologies can mediate empathy, so to say. And actively reflecting on these phenomena when designing a technology in a brainstorm or creative process can help embed empathy as a core value in technological design. I hope I gave you a new and helpful perspective on what it means to be empathetic and how to design with and for empathy. Thank you.